This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Okay, party people in the house. You're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Yeah, hustle in the house. Yeah, hustle in the house. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 19th day of January. And I hope this finds you doing well. We got a lot to get to today, man. We got some NBA talk, some NHL. Vancouver Canucks just had their schedule revised. We'll let you know when the boys in green and blue are playing at Rogers Arena in front of 50% capacity, at least through the 18th of February, and so much more. But let me get you to that one story or that one thought that reigns supreme, that goes right to the head of the class. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. All right, so yesterday, full disclosure, I went on Twitter and got in an argument with a person that doesn't exist. Yes, I got trolled, and it was shortly after the Jim Matheson Leon Dreisaitl conversation, or at least the stuff from the press conference getting leaked where, in my estimation, the Hall of Fame reporter maybe took it a little too far. Yeah, he got a chippy Leon Dreisaitl, whose Edmonton Oilers right now are truly scuffling. Um, Listen to it and tell me what you think. Did you think the last two years you've been second in your division and you showed a lot of maturity, but now you've lost six in a row twice. Did you think your team was past that? Not getting into these long losing streaks. Sure, yeah. Um, lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing. Sure. All right, so I've seen a lot of senior reporters and guys had been in the industry going to bat for Jim Matheson saying, hey, if you can't take the heat, then you got to get better as an athlete. But I've always been big on picking my spots, and I'm a little surprised. And I've been around the game for a long time, and what's funny is I've been on both sides of this. I've been a PR director for a professional sports team, and I've also been a guy that's had to ask those questions at a scrum. So I do feel that I can speak to this having been on both sides of that coin, but Here's where I'm going to go with this one. Leon Dreisaitl probably, well, he shouldn't have said the thing where he's like, you know everything. That was essentially the lit fuse for a guy like Jim Matheson, who's been in the game for 50 years, knows his way around a hockey arena, has been there for the dynasty of the Oilers. He is essentially one of the guys. 
But if you've been around the game long enough and have seen the evolution of athletes and the things that they've been through with two years of the COVID and the bubble and everything that goes with it, and then the expectation that has come with the Edmonton Oilers and then the struggling that they've gone through over the past couple of weeks, I got to wonder if that was the best approach to go at a marquee player like Leon Dreisaitl, who, again, if you pull back the lens on that conversation, had been asked a similar line of question already in that press conference and had addressed it. So the fact that Jim Matheson, a guy who should know that he's going to get a quote-unquote pissy Leon Dreisaitl, I think you get a lot more with sugar in those moments than you do with salt. And for me, I just thought that Jim Matheson didn't need to go down that road. And again, maybe I'm speaking as a PR guy, but I'm also speaking as a guy that is in that room watching Jim Matheson. Sure, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He calls the shots. He gets to do what he wants. You put in that kind of time, you get to do whatever you want. But if you expect a player in 2022, after, as mentioned, everything that we've gone through over the last couple of years, and then the expectation, and then the recent skid, and everything going on, to not be a little more bristly, to not be a little more abrasive, or maybe not want to hear that specific line of questioning from your hometown guy. Again, you can debate this on both sides. I didn't like it. I didn't like that Jim Matheson went and made it personal. He made it personal when he said, you're being pissy, And then he also doubled down on that personal when he said, whenever I ask you questions. Matheson had an opportunity to step away. Sure, maybe he gets more clicks. Tim and Friends posted the video yesterday. There's almost 2 million views on it. So mission accomplished for the Edmonton newsprint that Jim Matheson works for. But that's not the kind of clicks that I want. Because if I'm a player, and I say this sincerely, and I know how athletes work. Tricidal goes back in. The rest of the players either hear it from him or they see it online too. And they're like, fuck that guy. I'm going to go to bat for my player. And that is the tightrope that a media person works. And here's the other thing that I'll say. You want to take your shots as a media guy at a guy like Leon Dreisaitl, fine. But I guarantee you, Matheson doesn't have that same moxie if it's somebody like Dave Tippett or Ken Holland in that chair. Especially the way he kind of dressed down Leon Dreisaitl, like the tone. Listen to the tone. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. I don't know. Jim Matheson's got all the power in the world. I know there's very many people that stand up to him in that market at Edmonton. But from where I'm sitting, as a guy that has seen both sides of the coin, you didn't have to do that. And I hope he knows that. Like, sure, he gets a little street cred from the senior guys in this business. But for me, looking at it from an athlete's perspective, from a guy in his 20s that's been through what he's been through over the last couple of years, it's one thing to say, well, these guys got to be pros. They're humans as well. Like Jim Matheson in front of all the media, all of his buddies looking around like, oh, there's the Hockey Hall of Famer. Ooh, he's getting tough with one of the marquee players trying to get a charge out of him. And I'm not saying that the question isn't fair. I'm saying the tone is not. Don't talk down to me. Like, whatever you do, talk to me like a man. Be straightforward. Let's have this conversation. You want to do it publicly? Cool, let's do it. But when you talk to me like I'm your son, I've checked out on you. If anything, I go back to that locker room, tell everybody, watch this. And if I'm the Edmonton Oilers players... I'm a little quieter around Jim Matheson for the next several days, but that's just me. And I'm very thankful that I was taught not to be that guy. I'm very thankful that I got an opportunity to be around players, the Toronto Blue Jays, the minor league affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. I've been around baseball for years, and that's not how you talk to players. You don't have to be subservient to them, but at the same time, you don't have to be that. And I hope 
that Jim knows better. I'm thankful that I do. Also wanted to say a very special thank you today to Sean Fitzgerald. He's a senior writer with The Athletic, and he was kind enough about a week ago to catch up with me and ask what I was doing with my life after TSN 1040. He asked a bunch of people who had felt the wrath of Bell Media just shy of a year ago. But in reading the article, it made me kind of take a walk down memory lane and think of all of the amazing moments and amazing people that I had come across and fortunate situations that I found myself in over the 14 years that I was associated with either Team 1040 or TSN 1040. Now, again, as we all know, I was never officially an employee of them because the Vancouver Canadians picked up the tab for that when they did their agreements. I was the play-by-play guy. I got to then fill in at Team 1040. I got to fill in at TSN 1040. And eventually, Rob Gray gave me my own show, the late-night slot called Rob Fay Nation Radio. But when I think back to all of the different journeys that we went through once I started with the Canadians and Man, there were so many things that I thought of. Like the very first time that I sat down to do a show, it was alongside Ian McClutchy, a show called The Rookies. It was actually Jeff Leyland and Ian McClutchy and John Horn that did that show, uh, but they needed somebody to fill in, and I could not have been more nervous, but I could not have been more happier. And listening back, I cringed because I was terrible, but that was the proverbial first opportunity. They wanted me to do updates. And I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to get pigeonholed in that. I really desperately wanted a host. And unfortunately, when you have a radio station that's got Rick Ball, Don Taylor, the Moj, BMAC, I mean, you got to wait your turn. And you got to kind of wait in the minor leagues, so to speak. But eventually, the Christmas opportunities presented themselves. When the regulars would go on vacation and I would have a chance to fill in, I would do a couple of years with Ian McClutchy, fill it in, loved it. Uh, Then I got an opportunity to do it with Angus Reid, former BC Lion, and that's where essentially I felt like I could click in a morning slot. Now, that was always somebody else's slot. It was, um, you know, David Pratt's or Bro Jake's or insert name here, but it was the first time doing it with Angus where we got really, really good feedback and people stopped calling me the fill-in. And again, I was the fill-in, and there was such a star-studded cast that it was almost impossible to get in, but it was the one time that I felt I had finally connected with the TSN 1040 audience, and it took me years. I mean, you got to remember, going back to Team 1040, it took me a long time to gain the trust, but between the baseball and the shows that I would do with the baseball and then the fill-ins, eventually Rob Gray sat down with me one day and said, would you be interested in doing your own show? It doesn't pay a whole heck of a lot, but I'll try to do the best that I can to keep your head above water. But it's the late night slot. It is 10 o'clock to midnight. And would you be in? I wouldn't even let him finish his sentence. I said, I will take it. Now, a lot of people don't know this. A couple of years early, well, several years earlier, I petitioned Rob Gray to get on Team 1040. Sat with him in one of those side rooms where they just got a couple of chairs and a little desk in front of you and basically told them that I was his next guy. And I wasn't ready to be the next guy, but I think he knew that I was a guy that really wanted to go from news, where I was at at News 1130, into the world of sports. So fast forward nearly a decade, I guess. Gosh, it was that long in between those conversations. And Rob finally decided to say, you know what, let's at least give this guy a kick of the can. He's done the fill-in stuff. He's worked with the Canadians. He's starting to get a bit of a name for himself. Still not one of the top-tier guys, but at least a guy that maybe we'll take a shot on. And that was where Rob Fay Nation Radio stemmed. And it was a tough first couple of weeks. There were a lot of people out there that were kind of like, hey, man, I'd rather have Matt Baker or, hey, man, I'd rather have this going on or why are we listening to this guy? But eventually I started to find a little bit of traction. The problem 
with my schedule was that I had to part ways every spring because I had to get back into baseball mode. So I never really, in all of my years, had that consistency to go basically January to December. So it was really hard for me to be considered a true part of the TSN roster when I was the guy that was kind of flip-flopping back and forth, in and out, yes he was, no he wasn't. And I felt that from some of the hosts when I came into the station. They were always kind of like, well, for those that I saw, because my show was on late, they were kind of like, oh, there's Rob, hey, how's baseball, how's Andy? Andy, of course, being our team president with the Canadians. And it was always small talk. I never really got to know any of those personalities that you're so accustomed to hearing from TSN 1040. So anyways, I would do my own thing. I would punch the clock. I would check in. I would do my show. I would leave. And I would try as desperately as I could to get things done. Eventually, we had to part ways. And we had to part ways the first time because the Vancouver Canadians thought it might be better to go across the street to Sportsnet 650. Well, you got to remember, the Blue Jays affiliate is in Vancouver. The Blue Jays are owned by Rogers. Rogers owns Sportsnet 650, so it was just a synergy that was almost unavoidable. And I think a lot of people at TSN even knew that. So now all of a sudden, I walk into a building that I hadn't seen in a long, long time when I was back at News 1130 with a bunch of media guys that uh, were either new or trying to make their name for themselves after not being able to cut it at TSN 1040. And you could feel, I don't want to call it friction, but there just wasn't a lot there. It was kind of like oil and water right from the get-go. And I tried desperately to convince myself that I would be something of an asset to that station, but I don't think I ever was. Because even when I walked in, I felt like, man, I feel like I just went from competing against guys that I'm swimming up towards to kind of looking guys around here wondering, you know, should I really be here? And that's maybe an error on my part, because now with TSN gone and Sportsnet still on the radio, maybe had I had a little more sense and sensibility around me, maybe if I'd have worked a little harder to build those relationships, as opposed to kind of, you know, shoving them off to the side, I'd be in a different place right now. But everything has a reason, doesn't it? So eventually, with the Vancouver Canadians looking at a potential season off because of COVID and everything that was going on, I had a decision to make. Do I sit out the year and not do any radio, or do I take a chance with those who wanted me on their roster back at TSN 1040? Had a call with the program director, Trevor Martins. Said he didn't have a lot for me financially. It's kind of the name of the game all the way through my career. But said that he would be more than happy to bring me back. Now, I don't know if that was because it was to take something away from Sportsnet 650 or it was because I was good enough. I think there was a little bit of both. But eventually, I decided to go against the grain, against the Canadians, against Sportsnet 650, and gamble on going back to TSN 1040 because I was hell-bent on creating my brand and putting myself up against the best. Like, when I looked at the roster... And it was Donnie in the Moj, it was Halford and Bruff, it was Sakaris and Price. Those are the people that I wanted to truly judge myself against. I mean, sure, it'd be cool to go over to Sportsnet 650. They had Andrew Walker at the time, Satyar Shah at the time. Uh, you know, they had a couple of shows that they were trying to push as well. Scott Rintel was there. But it just wasn't meant to be. And it wasn't meant to be right from the start. And I kind of felt it. Because as soon as I went back to TSN 1040, Sportsnet 650 then called the Canadians and said, that guy is never allowed back on our station. So imagine that. Your bread and butter, the Vancouver Canadians, are all of a sudden looking at the program director and the associate program director saying, we want this guy. He's our broadcaster. And they're like, no, he went to the competition. He made his bed. Now he's got to sleep on it. You go out and find yourself a different name. 
Well, to the Canadian's credit, they simply tried to let that die down a little bit and eventually got me on the phone with those people from Sportsnet 650 and they said, we will give you one more shot on air. That shot never ended up coming to be because of COVID and that never came to be because I just didn't want it. Like when I look back at my time, I think to myself, I could have either been a survivor and done whatever it took to keep that money in my pocket and opportunity on air, or I could simply go out and measure. Now, my mistake wasn't in going to TSN and shunning Sportsnet 650. If there's one regret that I have, one regret when I look back and I say to myself, I probably, nah, I, I shouldn't have done this, was when they brought me on Securus and Price to introduce my return, I basically threw Sportsnet 650 under the bus. And I had had a lot of friction with Sportsnet as a whole, dating back to 2018, with the way that they handled the Toronto Blue Jays situation. Hey, listen, Ben Wagner is a better baseball broadcaster than I am. He got the job. He was deserving of the job. I think I can call baseball, but he was more polished, more ready, and I accepted that decision shortly thereafter. But I didn't like how it was treated. They could have done it better. You know, here's an interesting story for you. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. So I'm down at spring training. And they said, we're going to bring you down for five games. We're going to give you the opportunity to work with Ben Wagner, work with Mike Wilner, and, uh, you know, show us what you got. Now, they didn't tell me that till about a day before I got down there. For some reason, they didn't want to let me know who was going down. But that's neither here nor there. So I go down there, and you assume if you're going to get five days, that you're going to get five days. So sure enough, fifth day comes, and they decide that I'm not their guy. And that's fine. So what they were doing is because they had their assistant program director down in Florida, down in Dunedin with us all, kind of sizing up the situation, he was probably, well, he was the one that would call back to the travel person and say, all right, book this person home. But what he didn't realize is when he sent me the travel information, my itinerary home, that he didn't remove all the previous emails. The first email to send me home came down during the second game of my tryout. So I didn't get the full five days. And if I did, they probably should have at least sold it. Like, hey, Rob, we gave you five full games. But they were already booking my flight home during the second of my five auditions. I didn't think I was that bad, but it just wasn't a fit right from the get-go. Part of me thinks that they needed to broadcast a couple of Canadian-born players so that before they hired the American, they could show that there was nobody good enough to do the job, so they had to go outside the country. Maybe that's my own conspiracy theory, but that was a part of the friction that I had with Sportsnet, just the way that it was handled, the way that I was treated, and it just never worked out. So combine that with the fact that Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver was really, to me, not a part of the conversation, and a lesser station, and all of a sudden, I was just thinking, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go where my heart is, and I'm going to go where the best competition is, and I'm going to take myself back to TSN 1040. So anyways, long and the short of it is TSN gets gassed, everybody at Sportsnet becomes the only show in town, and that's still the lay of the land to this conversation. But when I look back, boy, talk about a long story to get to a short answer here. When I look back on the last year, of course, when we got gassed on February the 9th, everybody went their separate ways. I went to do the show, that uh, YouTube show that I did for a couple of months, The Nation, which we ended up making a Canucks postgame show. It was well-received. I was really happy with it. I got to do this podcast thanks to Equity Guru and a friend, Chris Perry. This has been a really big saving grace for me. It's been a huge saving grace for me. And the wrestling, 
Well, wrestling is a lot like TSN. Not a lot of pay, if any, but it gives me the opportunity to build something and to grow something. And even though the money has not fallen from this particular tree yet, speaking of wrestling, it is so great to build. And it is so great to take all of the skills that I learned with the Vancouver Canadians, the humble pie from Sportsnet, and the opportunity to thrive at TSN and bring it all together and build wrestling. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wrestling is not a part of the sports circle. So essentially, aside from this show, you're taking yourself completely out of the equation. Maybe so. But I'm ready to make that move. And if I never get back into the sports media the way that I've been accustomed to, I now can live with that. You have a face to find me. You have a place to find me. That's right here on Sports Bar Radio. And if I never have TSN or Sportsnet or CBC to ever kind of back me up and show that I got credibility in this industry, well, I can live with that as well. My fear is that there are a gazillion podcasts out there and there's just not enough hours of a day. And eventually, things will subside. They haven't yet. I still do very good in the rankings. I see the pod status rankings. We do very good in a couple of different countries. I'm not sure how it's happened, but we do well in more than just Canada. But when I look back and I size things up, if I could summarize it to somebody 20 years from now, if they were listening to this in, say, 2042, I would say that when you get cut or when something doesn't go your way, you still have to follow your passion. You still, even though it's going to look differently and it may not read the same as the business card that you had previously, it still can be done. And I'm not going to make this a motivational speech, but between leaving the Canadians, the fiasco with Sportsnet, and then TSN 1040 just getting cut right out from underneath all of us, I think I was able to hold serve. Sometimes you don't always win, but you got to at least hold your own serve and try not to get broken. And that, for me, to use a tennis metaphor, is how I'm kind of going right now. I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying this very, very much. So when I read that article back, I'm proud of what I did. But I'm also proud of what I'm doing. And that doesn't happen in every facet of life. So I'm very happy that I was able to get through this and now be able to move on. Would I go back? There is one thing in this industry that I have learned above all else. And it took me a long, long time to figure that out. You have to surround yourself with good people. Good opportunity will come in a number of different ways, but good people are hard to find. And if you've got good people around you, you got a shot. And if you don't, you'll never. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. Okay, let's take a walk around the NHL really quickly. Vancouver Canucks finding out today their official revisionist schedule, which means they've got seven games in different slots and where they were at the beginning of the season. And six of those seven games are where the Olympic schedule was to be. And we knew that the NHL was going to use that buffer zone with everything going on in the world of COVID to try and make up some games. So yes, six of the seven rescheduled games for the Canucks are in the NHL Olympic break. One game has been added right at the end of the hockey calendar. And as Rob Simpson of Vancouver Hockey Now says in an article that he posted today, it could be a potential point of contention. Let me quote him here. 
It's been tacked on as the second half of a back-to-back following a home game on a Monday night against the Dallas Stars. It gives the Canucks seven games over their final 12 nights of the regular season, which is a pretty taxing demand for the closing stretch drive. That again from Rob Simpson of VancouverHockeyNow.com, a great place to get all your source for NHL information. Now, let's talk about what the Vancouver Canucks have been as of late. They have been phenomenal. 10 and 3, a winning percentage of around 650. A lot of that has to do with Thatcher Demko. Demko has been extraordinary this year, and I think at this point you have to put him in conversation for the Vesna. Does he win it? I don't know, but a finalist, I got to think if he can maintain what he's doing right now, he's a shoe in. The reason I bring him up is a part of the revisions to the schedule is because Vancouver will have back to back games against Arizona and the Islanders on February 8th and February 9th. So Thatcher's going to go down to Vegas, play the game on the 5th of February, come back and be welcomed by back-to-back games against the Arizona Coyotes and the New York Islanders. I would assume that Yaroslav Halak will get one of those games, but then you never know because the Canucks have two nights off, followed by four big games over a 10-day period. The last man in for the NHL All-Star Game does not include Vancouver Canuck forward JT Miller. It'll be Nazim Kadri, Steven Stamkos, Troy Terry, and Jake Gensel. Now that's not to say that Miller can't find his way to the game, but that would have to come on an injury or perhaps a player that is supposed to be at the All-Star Game uh, falling ill with COVID. So again, not to say that JT Miller won't be at the All-Star Game at T-Mobile Arena on February the 5th. It is just to say that he did not get in with the last man in for the upcoming 2022 NHL All-Star Game. By the way, for Steven Stamkos, that will be his seventh NHL All-Star Game. Well, down to the brass tacks in the National Football League as we get ready for the divisional round of the NFL postseason. First game we'll look at is top-seeded Tennessee, who enjoyed a buy in the opening round and will look to have Derrick Henry back in their lineup when they get ready to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 0-7 straight up all-time on the road in the playoffs, which if you're betting in Vegas means you're going to go heavy on Tennessee. Or are you? The Titans have not won a postseason game at home Dating back to 2003. Here's a stat that I didn't even know till I started looking this up. After winning their first playoff game in 31 years last week, Cincinnati Bengals are seeking their franchise's first ever postseason win on the road. Now we're talking betting because Cincinnati is 0-7 straight up all time, as I mentioned, as a visitor in the playoff. But you got Jamar Chase, you got Joe Burrow, and a very young and naive Bengals team that aren't ready to duplicate history. Burrow and Chase were awesome in their debuts against Vegas last week. Burrow 24-34 for 244, two touchdowns and no picks. And Chase had his sixth 100-yard game of the season with a nine-catch, 116-yard effort. Now, as much as Henry is the big story right now, a lot of people in Cincinnati worried about Ryan Tannenhill and the passing game. This is going to be a key for Tennessee. The Bengals have been brutal when it comes to their passing defense all season. So as they ease Henry back into their lineup, expect big things, 35 to 40 attempts potentially for Ryan Tannenhill. The other Saturday game is going to be a good one. Green Bay Packers, home field advantage, all ready to go against the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers were a perfect 8-0 this season at Lambeau Field and outscored the opposition by an average of 14 points. Their only loss in their last 15 home games against Tampa Bay in last year's NFC Championship game. And if San Francisco was going to pull off the upset, 
Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to be bigger than ever before. He said, quote, we know it's going to be a tough challenge for us, but we're ready for it. Prototypical stuff from a quarterback. But he should be feeling good. His confidence should be through the roof right now after that win over Dallas. The only question is how is his right throwing shoulder? Got dinged up in that game against Dallas, but he is expected to play. The news, not good on the other side of the ball. Nick Boza suffering a concussion and is listed as questionable for Saturday's game. Some of the beginning of the season when it comes to Green Bay said that they were the favorites to win the Super Bowl and that Aaron Rodgers could go on to an MVP despite all of the turmoil with Rodgers and the Packers at the beginning of the season. But there is one thing that has eluded him through his entire career, speaking about Aaron Rodgers, that is a playoff win over the 49ers. He is 0-3 with his last loss coming to the 2019 Conference Championship game. But the Packers did beat San Francisco back in Week 3. It was a last-second field goal, and you cannot take away the advantage that that extra week, the first-round bye, means to the Packers and an aging Aaron Rodgers. Quick notes out of Vegas, the under is 5-1 in San Francisco's last six games, and Green Bay is 9-2 straight up in its last 11 games at home against San Francisco. To Sunday we go, and this one's going to be a slobber knocker. The Los Angeles Rams getting ready to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This will be the Sunday afternoon game from Florida, where Tampa opens as just a three-point favorite, with the over-under coming in at 48-and-a-half. For those who don't know, Los Angeles coming off a 34-11 walloping of the Arizona Cardinals back on Monday night. Matthew Stafford finally getting that elusive playoff victory. But the key here was that the Rams led 21-0 at the half. The defense absolutely snuffed out Kyler Murray, who was held to just 137 passing yards and six rushing yards with a couple of picks. One of those returned for a touchdown. Now, we could sit here and wax poetically about Tom Brady, as we feel like we've done for the last 15 years, in his victory over Philadelphia, 29-37 for 271 with a couple of touchdowns. But let's focus on the injuries here. Leonard Fournette, hamstring, listed as questionable for this week. Cyril Grayson Jr. is also listed as questionable as a wide receiver core, now missing Chris Godwin, Grayson Jr., and, of course, Antonio Brown, who left the team a couple of weeks ago. Mike Evans had nine catches for 117 yards and a touchdown against the Eagles, and you got to think that Tom Brady is going to lock in on him and Gronk this week if they're going to get past the Rams. And finally, the game that I think everybody's talking about right now, the Kansas City Chiefs getting ready to link up with the Buffalo Bills. The third time in less than a year that these two teams will meet up at Arrowhead, and they have split those past two meetings. And Buffalo's got to feel confident. In Week 5, they blew out the Chiefs 38-20, to and 12 of Buffalo's wins this year have been decided by at least... 12 points after a 47-17 walloping of the New England Patriots. Josh Allen riding high, throwing five touchdowns while Devin Singletary ran for another two. Now, for Kansas City, it is all about Patrick Mahomes. Remember the slow start that the Chiefs had this season and everybody was looking at Patrick in that gaudy $500 million contract? Well, they're getting every penny of it right now. He racked up just over 400 yards through the air, five touchdowns to the 42-21 victory over Pittsburgh on wildcard weekend. But let's just say the heat's going to get turned up as Buffalo comes in with the top-ranked defense in the NFL. And that is going to be the key for Buffalo. You can sit there and worry about Josh Allen all you want. They have to slow down the Chiefs offense because that's going to be the difference as you don't want to get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. Vegas has the Chiefs at minus 2.5. That is the one game right now. I'm not sure if I could go straight up. I will say this. The over is 4-1 and one in Buffalo's past five meetings at Kansas City. 
The over-under in this game coming in at 54, but let's not forget the weather this time of year could be a factor. All right, there's today's edition of Sports Bar Radio. My thanks to everybody with Equity Guru. My thanks to Chris Perry for always letting me bring you the show and to the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi as well. Until you and I do this again tomorrow, I'm Rob Fay. Have yourself a great day. Don't forget to subscribe, like, review, whatever it takes so that we can keep this puppy moving forward. We're into season two of Sports Bar Radio, and I thank you for your support. 